Hello and welcome to the Nerdy Video Game Podcast. I think we finally have a name. My name is Will and my co-host David. How are you doing? I'm good. So, as we've been doing, let's start off with some uh, gaming and entertainment news. You got anything for us, David? Yeah, uh, so this week, uh, well, I'm not sure if it's this week that they announced that uh, Ruby Rose is now the new Batwoman and immediately or maybe like a day later um she completely closed her twitter account because there's all this fan backlash and uh and then she ended up saying like like throughout her whole career people were like oh she's a lesbian she's too much of a lesbian and then now that she's gonna be batwoman who is a lesbian people are saying She's not much, uh, she's not enough of a lesbian to, to play this character. Because of course, the internet. Yeah. Which I think it was funny. Like the moment you started telling the story, I was like, "Oh, she'd actually pick pick a good Batwoman because Batwoman is actually gay in the in the comic books." And then I didn't know that was going to be backlash. That you would think that with representation, this would be like the perfect thing. Yeah. Well, I, I, like for myself, I didn't even know who she was, but then I saw some clips. Uh, she was in the John Wick movie, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, she kind of seems like a badass. Okay, mm-hmm. that works. She but, was in Orange is the New Black as well. Yeah, I never saw that one, though. Um, she's she's gotten a lot of roles in, in recent years. Um, that That's crazy. Like, even people that would normally champion something like a person who is of the same type playing a character who is of the same type. Now they just, they found a reason not to do it because it wasn't enough. <laughs> you know, I guess. Also, what is lesbian enough? <laughs> it's, a, well, I, I'm sure you've heard this before. Mm-hmm. Oh, we, they cast this guy. No, that dude's not black enough to be this character. Oh, okay. So not you've only this. can you be black, you have to be, the type of black or the or what's perceived as supposed to be okay i mean i mean it always goes it's 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 just the micro the vocal minority that just drives everyone else crazy so well that that's interesting um <laughs> very very interesting um so i don't have too much to say on that yeah, but yeah. uh so there's a resolution on james gunn uh he will not be directing Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, the news is that they will be using his script. And I'm pretty sure everyone's going to just say, okay, that's what it is what it is. Dave Bautista, not so much. Uh, he tweeted he tweeted saying, thanks, Disney. Make America, America great again. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe he really was saying thank you. I, you were making America great again. What do you think? Um, I think I've seen something about this, and he kind of bit it in quotation marks as if to say... Fuck you? Disney? Yes. Okay. That's not my opinion. Um, <laughs> though I wouldn't say I'm the hugest fan of Disney, but... Yeah, fine. I don't know. I, I can't... They're just a they're a weird giant blob of a company at this point, so 
they're effectively like a, a conglomerate and they are slowly but surely absor- or absorbing everybody. So are they going to be like EA where they're just these? Uh, I highly doubt that. <laughs> Disney's just pretty. Take these other companies and one thing I admire them. about Disney is that they acquire companies, but they don't dissolve them. Yeah. They acquire companies. They let the companies do what they're doing, and all they do is set in place the Disney rules, mm-hmm. and then the companies do whatever they will. Yeah, and even I mean, then, if you really look at it, the Disney rules don't apply to everything that they own either. Like the fact that Marvel has their uh, their Netflix um, cinematic universe or whatever, which is ending with Ant Man and the Wasp. That oh the partnership because mm-hmm. I think Disney said they were going to do a streaming service a while back, mm-hmm. but um, which well I'm sure the Netflix Marvel series are going to stay on Netflix as Marvel, but they're going to stop putting movies. Yeah, that that part I don't know. So. That was actually one of, my, one of my next topics is uh, Disney streaming service. So they're not going to have anything. Uh, they're going to have PG-13 and below. They're not going to have any rated R content on their streaming service. So I'm pretty sure they'll leave everything else on Netflix. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, see, I don't know. The thing I don't know is if they're going to use... Are they going to have the Disney streaming service and Hulu? Why Hulu? Well, because so Hulu's owned by fox and so now they own hulu as well well once it all goes through jesus yeah so i well i'm i am a little bit curious because i mean it sounds like they were doing the streaming service already so i mean but does that mean they move their series from netflix to hulu i highly doubt that well i doubt that right now that would be leaving money on the table rearranging everything maybe that's what hulu's for maybe that's what they want hulu for is is you know they're gonna have their Disney streaming service with all you know all their animated movies. Or maybe they're TV not gonna shows. have Disney streaming service and they're just gonna integrate it into Hulu as like an add-on or something. Yeah, that that part I don't know. Well, I mean it seems kind of weird. The so I mean Hulu already has rated R content. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for instance, one of their best original shows uh, for Hulu, the eleven twenty three sixty three. I haven't seen that. That's really good. It's um, a little mini series, right? Yeah. Okay. It was great. Uh, but that's radar and you know, but that's, that was a headliner for, uh, the Hulu service. And I, I mean, it's not like I've really Handmaid's watched. Handmaid's Tale, Castle Rock. Yeah. All of these are considered mature, mm-hmm. but yeah. So I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess that the Disney streaming service was something in the pipes already and they're going to kind of split both those streaming services. But I would imagine they might have like a, a combo package later on, you know, where 10 bucks for this and 10 bucks for the other one or who knows. Who knows? Who knows indeed? <laughs> um, let's see. So, so Disney keeps on announcing all these live action versions of all their animated movies. Mm-hmm. There's Milan. Mm-hmm. There's other oh, doing Lady and the Tramp. I didn't know that. That's going to be weird. Yeah, they're casting. They're doing Aladdin. They're a Lion King one. Seems weird, but still. Aladdin would work. Lion King still seems. Un- these ones all seem so weird. Are they going to add live people to these? Or is it just going to mm-hmm. be like a full CG graphic thing? Oh, because that one. A lot of, a lot of Disney movies have to do with just animals and no yeah. humans. And the Lady and the Tramp is pretty much the legs of humans with a whole bunch of dogs. Yeah, pretty much. Well. You know what they should do? The Aristocats. I actually never saw that one. Bro. But it sounds really political so, just because of the title. 
some of the some of the the, the songs and it's it's a classic. I think they're adding so for Aladdin. I can't remember which one, but they're adding. They're making new songs for this new live action version. So I prefer not a lot of songs in my Disney movies, but I know that lately Disney has been flooding the market with Disney songs <laughs> because they know that kids will buy the soundtracks or parents will buy the soundtracks for their kids and they'll just listen over and over again or they'll just hit it up on Spotify and they'll get the streaming numbers that way anyways. But yeah. Or they're, they're, uh, <laughs> they have a, what, I, what, what, All right, moving on. So, the Watchmen series, uh, they're going to be a Watchmen series on, I think it's Showtime, and okay. it's by Damon Lindelof, which is one of the writers lost, just so you all know. But it's not the best one. You bring up Lost a lot. Do you like this series? No, I don't like it at all. Oh, okay. Just want to know. <laughs> Let's be honest for the people that are listening. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. I actually named one of my kids after one of the characters, so... Okay, we'll talk, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so uh, with this Watchmen series, so it's going to be unrelated to the characters from the miniseries, comic series. Uh, it's going to be a completely original story, original characters, which just seems kind of, I don't know, seems kind of weird. Yeah, considering that the comic books, I think, and I'm not completely educated about this, but I think the comic books were pretty open closed story mm-hmm. like they wrote beginning middle and end well so they have a new they, the watchman has a new uh miniseries for the comics now I, I haven't read it um like one of the one of the characters died in the original and somehow that character's back and it is it is a sequel so i, I don't really know what's going on with that that's pretty cool, though. I guess um, it's always it's always cool to see where comic book properties go because of the way that comic book universes are built. You kind of you can technically do anything with them, yeah. and it's always it's interesting to see where a writer, especially a writer that may not have been involved in the original, like the original run of the of the comics, actually has like their interpretation on what the universe that is that was created. Well, and whether I, or not DC is going to try to integrate more of their characters. Into yeah, it. I forgot about that. I forgot that uh, Doctor Manhattan is now part of the DC universe, and mm-hmm. he's been he's been screwing with around with everything this whole time. And it's it's some it's definitely one of those things where they kind of set it up to where this could be like the start of like the DC's streaming service or the their premium. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I forgot about their streaming service. So. I mean, I know they have Titans coming out, which I don't really feel like would integrate well with Watchmen, but I do feel like they probably the are Titans looking... Titans the one with, with... Yeah, that's one with Robin, where he's... Yeah. Fuck Batman. Yeah, it's, it's a very awkward trailer. Yeah. Um, uh, what do you call it? But yeah, so like it could be they're, like, they're trying to jump off into making a Netflix Marvel-type series. This is, But I do feel like they're going about it the wrong way. They still have the... The bro man mentality, which never really works. Well, not for me. <laughs> I don't me, know if it's the, the for the Titans. I don't know if it's like that. It's just, it's like, like, let's do it just like the CW shows, but let's be even more more edgy, and let's add swearing, blood, 
and probably boobs. Ooh, boobs. I'm a simple man. <laughs> um, so on Netflix, Netflix is making a, a Witcher TV series, and and I can't remember. Oh, Hen- Henry, uh, was it Henry Cam- Cavill? Superman. Superman. Yeah, he wants to be, he wants to be the Witcher dude. Because this one's not supposed to surround like the Adventures of Geralt, so. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't think so. No, this no. is supposed to be another Witcher, I, I believe. I could be mistaken. Well, I mean, okay, well, that makes sense then. But, I don't know. But him as Geralt seems really weird. Yeah. I feel like you'd need, like, a like a younger Sean Connery or something to play Geralt or something. Like, somebody with the, I don't know, a wider face, I guess. I don't know. Just, <laughs> a wider face? I don't know. Geralt has a, he's got a little bit of a jowl going on. <laughs> I don't know. He's cool, though. I like those games. Yeah. Still need to finish the... The, the expansions. Oh, for Witcher? Mm-hmm. I beat the original I game, and I loved it, but... Or expansions. The expansions are so expansive that <laughs> they have so much content to do. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, well, I mean, I guess speaking of Witcher, that's a, that's a segue, because we're going to start talking about... Uh, we're going to talk about what makes a good game a good game, and... Uh, from what I see, a lot of people have that in their The Witcher Three in their top, you know, whatever top, however many games list. Mm-hmm. So for you, what makes Witcher Three like just this incredible game? Well, it actually fulfills a lot of things in my my pillars of good gaming or pillars of good game making, and. Like, it's always a combination of a lot of things. And it's never that one thing in that category is better than other things. But it's how you make those certain things. So, say, for instance, it had really good graphics. It did. But it wasn't just because of the graphical quality that made it good. It was because the graphics matched the story, matched the setting and everything. It wasn't hyper-realistic for no reason. It did feel like it actually had a sense of a setting that needed to be fulfilled by making those really nice graphics. Plus they had a lot of weather systems that kind of added to the tension of when you were going to, to do certain side quests and things like that and traveling across the world. It never really felt like it was just an area that was flopped there and you were forced to travel long distances just because you actually kind of felt like you were traveling through places. There was creeks and, and, uh, and rivers and, and, and bodies of water and then monsters everywhere and all of these kind of take that, um, I think we talked about it last week uh, with Horizon Zero Dawn, where the creatures, they tended to have like a, a way of beating them that required a little bit of strategy. So yeah, once you got high enough level, you could pretty much hack and slash through certain creatures. But even, the, even then, when you got really high level, there were certain creatures that came out that still required you to dodge certain things and to, to move around, to, to use certain things to bring them down to the ground and stuff like that. But um, in terms of like the graphics quality, it was uh, one of the things that I look for are consistency, relevancy to uh, to the theme of the game, and um, original style. Um, and Witcher Three pretty much had all of those. They were very consistent in their graphical style. You never it never seemed like there was. Um, too many cooks in the kitchen, you know. They had, they had, they knew what they wanted and they went for it. 
um the the fidelity of those graphics i mean if you have you seen screenshots of that game the what screenshots of that game yeah ridiculously good looking game um and then on top of that you have a lot of people like modders and stuff because they opened that up that uh took it to a whole nother level as people do like they did with skyrim for the longest time like i've never been a graphics for but i remember when the ps4 came out um or around the time when that came out and that was actually one of the reasons i bought that game even though i still haven't played it but (laughs) well i never played part two and so i started part two but then i couldn't get into it so i skipped over three i'll get to it someday it's okay it's okay um and then relevancy to to the theme the theme is effectively like a like a medieval slash Norse kind of. One of the areas that you go to later in the game is very Norse-oriented. Norse so it's sprawling mountains, um, ice caps, and stuff like that. So like that kind of stuff. So it was... What's a comparable for this game? Like another game? That uh, met up to it in graphics? In uh, just more like gameplay and... I think that's probably what makes it such a good game is it doesn't really have too many other games that fill its same shoes. Um, there's a let's see. So when I first started when I started playing part two and and mm-hmm. it's been a while since I and I played for like an hour, but it kind of felt like fable to me, but like a serious fable. I can see that. It did kind of evolve on that on that formula because Fable kind of took the uh, the idea of all your choices make uh, a difference in the world as a whole and to you as a person um, or as your character or whatever. So I can kind of I can kind of see the well, little bit of the parallel there, but it definitely took it to another another thing. I think that's also what makes it a good game, like having a game that can be defined by genres, but at the same time can't be defined by comparisons. Because there's so, it would be hard, you'd be hard pressed to find a game that's exactly like The Witcher. Because they didn't make a game that was exactly like something else. They didn't look at, oh look, everybody's doing Battle Royale games, we'll just do one of those. It was a, here's a story, we want to tell it, and here's the way we want to tell it. Um, and here, and, and we want to tell it via this medium, we didn't, we didn't want to make a movie or make a TV show, you know. We wanted to actually take these, uh, this, this uh, novel and actually expand upon the lore that that was presented in the in the novel, which again it's it's yeah. Oh, I didn't it, know there's a It's a great feat. Yeah, it's based <laughs> on yeah. Okay. Um, what? Uh, let's see. So graphics, I guess, would be the first pillar. Um, the second pillar would probably be whoa, game. Whoa, whoa. Hmm? Graphics are one of the one of the pillars for being a good great game. Yes. Because you're a graphics whore. No. But because in, in you're a, talking about this, you're just talking about style. You're talking about. I'm talking about it doesn't a graphic doesn't necessarily mean 3D graphics or right. or anything like that. No, graphics means you could have a Chrono Trigger, which looks really great for its time, mm. and well, it still looks great. For still it. looks great. Yeah. But those are good graphics because they were able to maximize what they could use for that type, and it was relevant to the type of story they were telling it wouldn't be the same if they had witcher type graphics on chrono trigger you don't need all right. that um so graphics would be definitely like i said it has to do with relevancy it has to do with uh, consistency 
and it has to do with uh, fidelity. It's almost like they have an art director. Almost. In the right direction. Almost. Almost. Um, and, then, and then the next thing would be gameplay. Um, it's kind of really hard to like hone in on what makes specific gameplay good because it can vary so so much between different games. Because, yeah, I, I am a huge fan of RPGs, but it doesn't mean that only RPGs have the best gameplay, you know? And then even then, you have RPGs that go turn-based, you have strategy, you have uh, real-time, you have the action stuff. So there's so many different ways you can play through those kinds of games. It doesn't necessarily mean that one's better than the other. One of the big things that I've, that I've noticed that makes that can make or break the gameplay of a game is pretty much whether or not it actually innovates. Most games technically take uh, parts from other games. And I mean, it's the reason why when you describe a game, it's like, oh, it's like this one. It's like this and it's like mm-hmm. that. And um, innovation is pretty much saying that I want to, I look at, let's, let's take for example, the Metroidvania which is tends to be a, a really common um, a really common comparison nowadays. A lot of people like using that to to describe a lot of the indie games that are coming out these days. And I think that a lot of the developers look at Metrovanias and go, I really like these types of games. What can I do to make them my own? Mm-hmm. And so somebody said, you know what, let's make it procedurally generated. And let's kind of... I know, <laughs> it's a buzzword. Um but let's do that and let's um you know what let's add roguelite elements um let's make it to where if you die you have to go back to your corpse and get stuff and then we have dead self so this this is like a whole bunch of things that other people liked put in roll it into one package and maybe people never even knew they wanted that type of game but they saw a metroidvania type game which may be their favorite type of game and then they saw innovation on top of that and that right there is what makes people still go nuts for metroidvania i know I go nuts for Metroidvania. I know. <laughs> I don't. But it it does, it is like the, it's it's a hotbed of innovation for a lot of developers nowadays because they want to make something that's in the vein of the things that they liked in the vein that people, the, or the, in the vein of things that other people like as well. A lot of people still like it. They're like, okay, well, we can't make the same thing. So let's innovate. And that's usually what gets them critical acclaim is they innovated and it's good gameplay in doing so. Um, turn-based combat in RPGs, which is kind of a, a long-contested thing as to whether or not it's better than the action-based variants of, of RPGs nowadays. Um, it was good for the time. It's it was innovative for when, the time. It's kind of dumb when they say what's... I mean, they do say, they, you know, when they say what's what's better, but, I mean, it just comes to preference, and it comes down to what their marketing team thinks is going to get them more copies, you know, or sold. Which sucks because yeah. if you if you really look at it, I mean, even if we just take the Final Fantasy series by itself, they started off with a kind of a, a turn-based system. But what they did is they took everything that was in that turn-based system and they made it to where one group makes their choices, the other group makes their choices, and then they play out an order of agility, right? Mm-hmm. And then as they move forward, then they started making it to where they had the active time battle system. They had the bars fill up. You can got you kind of got a visual representation of how much agility you had. 
you can increase the speed at which those ter- those turns happened and then it didn't then it got rid of like the whole round system so you know one party one party and then it was just actions after actions after actions after actions which kind of sped up what what was kind of slow about turn-based combat early on but then as they got even further into there then they started adding let's see 10 actually slowed it right back down again mm-hmm. they decided let's do a conditional based um like they didn't have the uh, it was like a turn system where you would actually see the order of turns mm-hmm. that's the uh, that's yeah. 10 yeah okay oh 10 yeah the, the first 10 the, ten, the first 10 had it pretty much to where you had literally like a list of everybody's faces and then you could see like the mo- next move you did whether or not it pushed you further up or push you further down, or you'd lose a turn in between there. Of course, they weren't the first ones to do that. I think it was the, I feel like it was the Grandia games that were the first ones to kind of do that system. That's a possibility. I was just talking about just the evolution of like the turn-based in Final right, Fantasy right, right. and stuff like that. Um, and then because even Ten Two said, "Screw that, we don't even want to use that system," and they went back to active time battle. But then they took an innovative twist to that, and they made it to where, on top of it being active time. We want all these actions to kind of just flood into each other. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to pause when you're doing your move, so they couldn't do their move. But if their bar is filling up at the same time and it fills up while you're doing your move, then they can actually act or like another character can act. And so you can have multiple characters kind of just like teaming up on people and stuff like that. I don't know if there was really too much strategy to that other than just kind of overwhelming your enemy if you were fast enough. but um, Or trying to get in before they had... Like, like they fulfilled a certain stance or something like that so they could like unleash a bigger attack or something like that. Um, there's a lot more strategy in that game. I need to finish it. <laughs> Ten two? Yeah. One of these days I'll finish that game. Um, and then right. you move on to uh, 12, or sorry, 11, which was their I, MMO. I, I just can't count the MMOs and the, like, they're just, they're too different. That's well. That's what's crazy about it. Eleven actually had a turn-based battle system, and you got into yeah, exactly. You got into battles, and then there was like this weird turn-based battle system that was kind of action, but but wasn't it more like twelve? No, no, no. no. You still picked commands out of a out of a out of a menu like you would in like the old Final Fantasies. It was crazy because like you got into a battle and then it would kind of like flip the screen a little bit like that and then you'd be into the battle and then if people joined, I think it was just based on like if you had a party or something that'd be a little different. But it was a, it was a weird like it was another innovative way to take a, uh, take on an MMO while still yeah, using Final Fantasy. Tropes. Well, there's actually and I don't remember the name of it. There was actually a free MMO game on the computer where it has like the the chibi 2D graphics. And that's how that worked. It was turn-based battle system, but some, I think that's how it went. It's been a long time. But mm-hmm. I believe someone else could jump into your battle as well and help you out. That's pretty cool. You don't remember the name? I don't remember. Hmm. Um, that was a long time ago. Right. And then you have a move to Final Fantasy XII, which one of my favorites. Um, They have... Was it the the gambit system, which effectively with everything was real time, you made choices. You had you pretty much had the active time battle bar, but all of your choices were made based on like a set of commands that you or like a, an AI that you programmed for your characters, and you just let them have at it, pretty much. 
a lot of people didn't like it because it did seem kind of like hands-off. If you programmed your AI well enough, you literally could mow through See, that's, certain sets that's of That's not even why. I mean, that's not why I didn't like it. I didn't like it because it was just the story was so world-driven, and I, I so prefer character-driven stories. Well, it's good thing you mentioned that because the next pillar is actually story. So there's a lot of contention when it comes to like how to tell good stories or like how to tell well, good I, stories. I think in there's good a lot games. of contention whether or not a story makes a good game too. I mean, but that, well, again, these, these are my pillars for what makes yeah. a good game. Um, and I feel like there are a lot of games that can be made good that have good stories in a linear fashion, which is what I'm very much a fan of um, mainly because they're telling a specific story that's usually more curated than um, say for instance branching dialogue type stories so I'm I'm more or less a fan of those but it doesn't mean that I'm not a fan of branching stories i.e. The Witcher which had a very much branching story still had relatively the same ending but even then there was more endings than just the intended ending it's you could tell definitely that the writers had thought about it and said you know what we don't want to make these other endings throwaway endings we wanted to make it to where you make so many gray area choices that you can't truly determine what path you're going to end up leading on to get these endings. I believe I got the good ending, but I'm not really sure. And that's what makes it nice. Like the, you, you was feel, it the was was the best ending? Was it the red, red ending? Yeah. Or was it the green? I think it might have been the one? green one actually. Is the green one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a Mass Effect reference, in case you didn't get that. Um, then, then you have... So you have the branching dialogue stories. You have the linear uh, author-driven here's the path that you have to take kind of stories. Then you have what's becoming way more popular nowadays and is as player-driven narratives. So they effectively, they give you a world. They give you either a conflict or a scenario. And then they stop writing after that. And they leave it up to the <laughs> they leave it up to the player effectively to tell the story that they want to tell. Um, I wonder if that started. I wonder if that started with the. Oh, okay. Now I got clarification on it. I, so I thought Stargate was. Uh, I thought they would make uh, their episodes based on fan scripts, but then it turned out that uh, the scripts were actually written by the actors. Yep. Did you watch Stargate? I did. Okay. I, yeah. I I did a lot back in the day. Um, I didn't cast their their last seasons, and then I didn't watch any of the the offshoots because I wasn't. I was, I was so just so disappointed that they started doing that. Oh, the offshoots. Oh, like, Stargate Atlantis. Yeah, and yeah, there's yeah. another one too. Oh, maybe it was Atlantis that like the fans were writing the stories. That which, that could have been. Possible. I mean, <laughs> they're like, why are we why paying these writers versus these fans? They They'll just write it for us. No big deal. Yeah, let, let's not make our own logo. Let's outsource that. Um, let's not... <laughs> you know what? Let's but then we kind of make fun of it, but then like, that's what these video game companies the, are doing. That's effectively what they're doing. But when I say that, when I say player-driven narrative, I'm talking about like games like, uh, let's say, Sea of Thieves. So effectively, Sea of Thieves created a world, which is effectively just an ocean with islands. And, on, and then what they did is they said, there's a lot of pirates here. Now, we're going to drop you in this world. 
And because there's technically no story to pursue other than to become the quote unquote pirate king or, you know, the king of pirates or whatever. Excuse me. What you'll end up having to do is play with your friends. And in playing with your friends, maybe you guys can make up a story as you go. Like Dungeons and Dragons type shit. Except for Dungeons and Dragons, as much as they do rely on the players to drive the story. They don't rely on the players to write the story right? because they come out with tons of books and tons of material that establish the world and all of its intricacies and look everything from from how certain things are born to how the metaphor metamorphosis works for um, I was listening to a podcast the other day about uh, or the, the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast and they're talking about how mind flayers are born and they're talking about yeah who who needs to know these. I don't know, but these are a whole bunch of writers that want to establish every facet of this world. Um, and then, yes, yeah, something about a tadpole being like implanted in like a host's brain and then it effectively like evolves into a mind flayer. Don't take my word for it. The The official Dragonfly, <laughs> Dragon, um, Dungeon Dragons it, podcast actually talks about it. All that to say, Sorry, how do you recover from that one? I, I know, right? <laughs> um, all, all that to say is that Dungeons and Dragons. I actually, I'm in agreement that it is kind of like a player-driven type stories. The only problem, or the difference is though, is that the vehicle that the players are driving is created by the actual, like the the creators of Dungeons and Dragons. So they give you something to work with. Yeah. Not necessarily just telling you have at it. Also, you typically have a DM who's writing the story and curating the 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 scenario that you're playing in. So it's typically still somebody writing a story and they're taking you along a path and even if you make a decision that throws off their story altogether it's up to the dm to continue to tell the story still driven in a world that was created by somebody else isn't uncharted 4 isn't it? it's like a uh, subtitle isn't it sea of thieves i don't know i kind of think it is so you're but saying I, you there could what? be a lawsuit on their hands <laughs> no okay uh i i do wonder I, w- I do wonder if um some of these companies saw no man's sky and what they did and they're like well, damn, that could be a good idea if only they did this and this. Mm-hmm. So is Sea of Thieves kind of like that? or Kind of. Um, no Man's Sky, though um, though it started off quite rough, apparently. Well, a lot of what I'm hearing about it lately is that it ac- actually has gotten a lot better. The, s- the main narrative still isn't necessarily as good. Um, but it kind I of acts... there's a narrative to no It Sky. acts as like a jump-off point, but it really, you know... What's unique about the narrative that's told in No Man's Sky is, and, and I played the original version uh, of the game when it first came out. They, uh, what they did with that story is effectively they kind of gave you a goal that you wanted to get to, and then along the way they kind of unraveled a couple mysteries. But then those mysteries kind of led to more mysteries, kind of like Lost. I guess I haven't watched it yet. <laughs> um, but those mysteries led to more mysteries, which led to more mysteries, which kind of like it really fit with like the story of the universe is that we will never know everything about the universe. So it was had this really kind of philosophical like tinge to it. But at the same time, there's a lot of people who looked at that as this is just lazy writing. And um, and then there was, of course, somebody who had nothing to do and decided I'm going to beat this game really, really quickly. So I'm gonna make it to the center of the universe, which was the the point of that scenario. Did they do it in like an hour or two hours or something? 
I don't know if it was that short, but they did it relatively quick. Yeah. Um, and then they got there and found out that it effectively it was like, and you've reached the center of your universe. Congratulations. Let's restart your game. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good ending. You should be a story writer. I feel like you'd be really good at this. Um, <laughs> but it's so deep. It's kind of, I mean, that, that ending is like the Matrix, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like that just means that this, this galaxy has been recreated so many. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I get where you're going. I, exactly where you're going. So let's not go there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so there's there has definitely been a rise in those types of games. But there a lot of them are usually like PvP type games that kind of leave it to the leave it to the player to establish if they even really wanted a story to go along with this or if they just wanted to play just to play. Because they usually give you scenarios. Most PvP games will be like, here's the reason why you're doing this. It doesn't make any sense, but you don't care because you're just playing to kill other people. And then, what, you c- what's your what's your reaction when, like, when you see someone playing an RPG or some any game with story, and they're just like button press, button press, button press to get past the story? It hurts my soul. <laughs> it hurts my soul too. I mean, I'm one of those people that even in MMOs, like especially Final Fantasy XIV, which I can talk about a little bit later, um, I I will read the side story the side quest dialogue and there's just you i mean the amount of effort that goes into writing not just the main scenario and final fantasy 14 by the way has a really good main scenario which not to be expected in most mmos um a very cohesive long form story my hands did the this big motion i know yeah Anyways, um, yeah, so they did really good with that. But, I, yeah, it hurts my soul when people skip past story. Too many people spend too much time writing a story just for you to skip past it because I only like the combat. Well, then then there's the then there's the games, and I don't, you don't see it as much anymore, but then there's the games where, like, you die, and then they're like, well, you're going to have to watch that cutscene again. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. True. But that's why most modern games have the yeah. skip cutscene feature. I just, I just remember the Tales games, like, they were so behind on the times. And I think, I don't know, they were probably like five years behind on the times for those. And But yes, they fixed it. Thank goodness. So, I've been talking a lot about my peelers. Um, there, I have two more. Um, and then, did you, did you actually have anything for this at all? Well, so, <laughs> I just think it's interesting... Um, the concept of, of of sequels and you know if if a lot of what makes a sequel a really good game is because of someone's experiences with, with the first one mm-hmm. um and so when they i'm thinking if they is it because they when they played the second one they had this intimate feeling or experience or uh with the with the first one and they're looking for that with all these sequels because like when you know for me when a Final fantasy game comes out it's an event you know uh in japan mm-hmm. when the dragon quest games come out that's a huge event because i would imagine there's so many people that are looking for that same feeling over and over and over again um you know actually you, man these are perfect so you talk about how sequel uh, whether or not sequels kind of if they have to build off the experience of the first one, is that what makes them better? Or do the second ones just 
become better because their second one's to a supposedly good game? Well, like, so for Xenogears and Xenogears, Xenogears 2, like, well, you didn't like, you didn't really like the battle systems for any of them. No. But I didn't, well, I didn't hate them. <laughs> but I, I couldn't stand the second game's battle system. Mm-hmm. But I didn't care because I... We're intrigued I, by the story. I'm intrigued by the story. Right. All these these characters are awesome, and you know. So in that sense, yeah, like, like I was looking for that same experience. You know, I wanted the same experience with the the battle system too, as the first one. Mm-hmm. But the story was good enough to where I didn't care. Right. So, I think that's kind of where the pillars kind of come into 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 play. Is that you have, let's just say, you only need four pillars to hold up a game to make it a great game, right? So if one of them fails or falls a little short, it's Where not... do we come up with a fifth one? Hmm? A fifth pillar. There's been five pillars. Okay. Because I said I just talked about three, and I said <laughs> okay, I had okay, two okay. more to go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Keep up, man. Basic math. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that's kind of one of the things. Like, it had good graphics. It had good gameplay. Or, no, it didn't, didn't really have good gameplay, in my opinion. Um, the story was great. It was still innovative, and that's that would be the that would be the next thing. And this last one is it's really hard to kind of like put this into into words, but effectively, if it's the genre that you prefer, then it tends to hold it up to another standard. Say, for instance, I like fighting games. Therefore, if a game is a fighting game, it's already got a plus in my to book. To be specific, he likes three D fighting games. Three D fighting games. Okay. I don't, I don't like how it See, feels like because... you're calling me out on that, but okay. <laughs> well, it's funny because when I think of fighting games, I think of the 2D fighting games. Like, I rarely think about, I'm like, oh, yeah, Tekken and Soul Calibur. Oh, yeah, those are a thing. Dead or Alive. Dead or Alive. Virtua Fighter. Yeah, that's a thing, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's because, no, never mind. They're adding all the boob physics to the 2D ones. Like, the new Street Fighter was ridiculous. So, <laughs> but it was like, actually, it, but it the 3D like ones had nothing to do with that though, because I played them back at like Tekken one, Tekken two, Tekken three, oh, where see, everything was still very polygonal. Oh, so in my head, like all the 3D ones, they're they're just like every one of them's all about boob physics. A lot of the modern iterations are. I mean, except for um, Dead or Alive six, which supposedly is dialing all that back in favor of like. The, the, the blood and just like the visceral combat and whatnot which to be honest that game was already good and and not because of those physics but just because the game itself was actually really intense it was really fast-paced battling and the way they integrated physics into to the combat or not physics sorry counters into the combat it really made it kind of like a a rock paper scissors kind of thing also if you've ever played the the new uh new killer instinct that's definitely a rock paper scissors game um high medium low yeah, yeah, yeah. okay um it's sorry it's it, so yeah so pretty much what they they pretty much made it that that part of the game where a lot of things in characters movements could help to telegraph what they're about to do and things that they could do and then you could counter those things high medium and low and um i think killer instinct took that to another stage where they did combos that could be um hard light hard or light medium and hard hits and stuff like that and so then you try to combo break 
those specific hits, kind of figuring out how like the intensity of your hits usually depends on speed. So you can kind of tell how fast they're hitting. So then you know it's a, a low intensity hit. Anyways, that's just going into a lot of uh, the theory crafting for fighting games, which we really don't want to get into. Um, yeah, so um, being, being that that's one of the pillars to hold a game up, um, if you like RPGs, immediately you're going to gravitate towards more RPGs, right? Um, if you like action games you're going to look for action games and so you're already giving it a plus in your book and i think that's right it's one of the pillars that holds up because for me i don't like soccer games so i'm already or i don't like sports games in general oh man have you played mario strikers no that's a good stalker soccer game so stalker game so (laughs) for, for that game it already loses one big point for me so then it needs all the other things to make it better so Say, for instance, a Mario version of a, of a sports game would have to have good graphics. They never don't have good graphics. It would have to have good gameplay. They never don't have good gameplay. That's kind of like the hallmark of a Nintendo game. Um, in terms of the story, Mario games never have really good stories, but they're funny, and they kind of fit to charming. what... They're charming, yeah. They fit to what Nintendo is known for. You know that they're not going to have like this passionate story about love and loss but you know that they'll figure out a funny way to tell a story the mario and rabbits game not a very innovative story at all but the story is hilarious and you have freaking rabbits everywhere which is just funny too which which game is this mario versus rabbits it's their um XCOM type game oh okay for the switch so you, okay i, I played so that never game. played that one so i was always interested but yeah, so, I mean, on top of the fact that it already fulfilled the genre thing, mm-hmm. innovation, it got that, like, right off the bat. Because it was like, I could never see Mario shooting a gun. And now he does. And now he hops on top of people's heads to traverse well, the terrain. Well, he was shooting the, the water gun in Sunshine. It's not a gun. It's just a water pump. It's Flappy. Anyways. um, So, yeah, so, so, they, huh? Is that the name Flappy? I think so. Um, but yeah, so let's just go back to the Mario Strikers example. So we have the story, which is par for the course. There's no story. It's par for the course. Exactly. There might be a story. They're just fun. I'm pretty sure there's something in the instruction manual that says like, you know, they entered this tournament so they could get a a trophy. There's like, I remember (laughs) the tennis one. There's this like really long intro cinema thing. And it's just so that they can have everyone go. Wah! Wah! You know, all that stuff. Mm. Makes sense. Everybody has their moment where they do that. Mm. And then, let's okay. go to the game. Um, and then on top of that, you have innovation, which, again, you're literally taking all of your, your marquee characters, you're putting them into a game, and you're saying, okay, so we can make this a boring soccer game, or we can make this a game with special moves and special whoa, effects. Whoa, 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 whoa. Boring soccer game. I've already expressed that I'm biased yeah, towards yeah, yeah, sports yeah. games, especially <laughs> soccer games. Um, I don't really like them that much. But again, innovation. If you can innovate, you can make something like that more fun. Um, and wait, you wait, can wait, add wait. all the special effects. Have you played a newer soccer game? Like FIFA? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, okay. They're boring. Okay. I, have not I think them. sports simulation games aren't that great in that if you want to play sports, you should go outside and play sports. But Except for King Griffey Jr.'s winning run. Did you play that one? No, I didn't. Oh, what? my God. That's so good. <laughs> okay, man. 
I feel like at this point you're just playing devil's advocate, and you just <laughs> you just want to 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 shit on all my all I my mean, likes and dislikes. Well, I love baseball, so that's okay. that's why I like baseball games. But that was definitely the best one. So what you're and saying is them, baseball games would get an immediate pill or genre pillar. Yeah, pillar. yeah, same with football ones, and uh, but then at the same time, like like I have no interest in in all like MLB the show and all that because. They've made it so convoluted in the controls. Like you have to, you have to predict where in the strike zone that the pitch is gonna go and all that. And but you know, kicker if Junior's winning run, that's like classic old school uh, RBI baseball type thing where you know the pitch comes, you time it right, you're gonna mm-hmm. home run. So, hence the name. Yes, yes. Okay. <laughs> but I, I just remember, <laughs> I even remember, like, when I was a kid, I, I, like, beat the opponent, like, 28 to nothing, and I had, like... Jesus. Yeah, I had, like, <laughs> I don't know, I had, like... What about the mercy rule? <laughs> I had, like, 30 plus, you know, 38 hits or whatever, and I remember when I was a kid, I was like, this is so awesome, and so I, like, wrote down, I, like, hand-wrote all my players and exactly like what they did, like three for three for, or probably like <laughs> six for eight or six for nine. And I wrote down their order and then, I don't and then know what these things mean. Oh, really? No, I don't, I don't really pay attention. To baseball okay. Much. So if a baseball player, when they're playing the mm-hmm. game, they go to bat nine times. Okay. And they get a hit six times. Okay. They're six for nine. Because they had nine at-bats. That actually makes sense. But you just started saying numbers, and I didn't know what that meant. It's math. I'm the one that's good at math. Don't don't come at me with that crap. Oh, man. Don't come at me with that crap. Math (laughs) off. How about Not right now, though. Not for the podcast. Okay. That would make for some good podcast, though. A math off? I don't think so. (laughs) Because I'd just open a calculator, and you guys would never know. (laughs) (laughs) That's bullshit. Um... So anything anything else you have to say? I I actually really think the sequel talk or the this the subject of sequels actually makes um it's kind of I think it's kind of controversial in that there's a lot of people that think that sequels don't need to be made all the time and that it does feel like the market's getting saturated with like this game in the seventh iteration because for some reason it seems like we can't think of new ideas. But, but why don't you get annoyed with Mario and Zelda sequels? One of the major pillars is innovation. Mm-hmm. And Mario and Zelda, every time they come out with a new one, even when you went from Super Mario Brothers to Super Mario Brothers 2 to Super Mario Brothers 3, it never became stagnant because they always said, let's change the formula. Same with Final Fantasy, really. Exactly. Even though they're... They're getting way, a little... Yeah, like... Their innovation sometimes, it, it's a little, it backfires. But I think that that's effectively what keeps a, a, a series alive. But, but notice where all these, notice where these games are coming from. Japan. Yeah, they're all coming from Japan. Well, I mean, if you really look at American culture in general, a lot of the things that we like is that it's to say commercialism says that if something is successful, make another one, capitalize on the success of the right. first one, and in doing so, some people would think to innovate in the second iteration or the third iteration, while as other people would think this was successful, why change the formula? 
continue doing the same thing. And that's where you lose a lot of people, i.e. all of these Madden 2K games, they start off where when they move to the to the next console genre, they go ahead, go ahead. To the next console genre, they they completely innovated because they're like, oh, look at all this other stuff we can do now. Mm-hmm. Like we can actually make our crowds look good. But we it's can just actually one ex- thing. Hmm? It's funny. It's just one thing. They're like, okay, this year, make the exact same game except for add crowds. Right. I mean, when they moved, when they knew console generations, they added a ton more, right? But once they start doing yearly iterations after the console generation has already started, then it does become our incredible juke system. Yeah. You can now press in the stick and move, and you can manipulate the ball in real time. Yeah. And then that was a huge thing after, like, like when Russell Wilson and Colin Kaepernick, like, uh, do you know who these people are? Yes. Okay. Good. Seattle Seahawks and Forty Niners. Um, so it's just funny. Like, like there's a stupid when it comes to sports. <laughs> Jeez, man. I just don't like them that much. Gosh. <laughs> this is fun. Um, but their big thing was, was, uh, play action. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and they built their, uh, that whole game was just built around that. And they just keep on just adding a little bit more, a little more, a little more. But now this year, look at sweat graphics. Really? I don't know. <laughs> See, the funny part is, is you said that, <laughs> and because of that genre, I believed you. I was like, wow, that might be a real thing. I think nowadays, though, they have been definitely trying to kind of go in, in the... In the Respiration uh, direction? Yes. Um, they're trying to actually write stories now, like they're, like where you can actually like play through like a, a player's oh, career yeah, yeah, and things yeah, like yeah. that. So I've well, seen it's that. not an actual – it's your player's career. It's your player's career, yeah. but they actually try to make a legitimate story around it and like actually have like acting. People come in, actually play roles in this in this character's thing. Kind of – okay, so if you've ever watched like any uh, – um, I would say like a like a Friday Night Lights or mm-hmm. or like Baller with, uh, with, with The Rock. I uh, did not watch that one. So like they um, – Pretty much, what they kind of they try to take the, the role of the the manager or whatever. So they try to or the coaches and things. So they try to make a, like a narrative built around that. And then maybe like I think in the basketball in two K, I think they did something where like you came from the streets effectively, and like you're like building up this area. I can't speak too much to it because I'm never gonna play it. Did Michael um, B. Jordan come from Friday Night Lights? Or he was he, then he did. Where, where you gotta start? Okay. Yeah, that was a tangent. Um, Sorry. I'm done with that. Um, <laughs> do you have anything else to talk about? What makes a good game? Well, so for me, like, it's really hard to. So the biggest thing that came to mind, you know, was the sequels. But for mm-hmm. me, it's really hard to define because I think that you know so much of it has to do with preference, mm-hmm. and very much so, so much of it has to do with um, groupthink. You know, like. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as somebody says the game's awesome, you know, everyone's just jumping on board and right. and it's it's a little bit of a popularity contest because I mean, if it was if it was my top one hundred games list, like Xenogears would be on there. Right. You know, so it's But some people have never played Xenogears and would never yeah. play will never because, play. Because yeah, it's not like a super popular title. So I mean so does that mean that one of the pillars has to be that it's a popular title, you know? And so that's why it's a little bit harder to define 
what really makes a great game because it's you know it's, it goes to the whole beauties in the eye of the beholder type of deal i think that's actually the reason why i added genre um and graphics to excuse me um to the to the pillars because i felt like i just get, want everyone to know that like <laughs> so, never mind go ahead anyways I, I kind of look like i had coke sniffles but i don't um <laughs> I have to sneeze. Well, you just turned your head hold like on, as on. if to get out of the of the uh, the microphone, <laughs> and then he went back and sniffled right into the microphone. <laughs> it's because I had to freaking sneeze, and I couldn't sneeze, and then I was like, "Oh, dude, nope. you can sneeze. It's fine, man. People sneeze." Anyways, I'm pretty sure people have farted on podcasts before. That's gonna happen here. Um, <laughs> so I think that's the reason why adding certain pillars to what I think to make a good game have do heavily deal with preference because certain people can look at the graphics of the game and because they don't like how the graphics look it's just and again it's this personal preference as for the genres it's again it lends into do you like these types of games or do you not like these types of games and that's like a it's an intermediate like a, a drawback for those for those categories and I liked it in that way whereas the other things can still kind of be subjective somebody could look at a story and say I don't like this type of story or maybe the story is too long. Therefore the story doesn't, uh, doesn't do it for me. So a lot of the categories have like kind of two sides to it, whether or not you're judging it based on your personal preference of your, of those kinds of things, or if you're looking at it, um, objectively and saying, okay, how does this story match up to other stories or how well written is this story? Like how, uh, how consistent is this story as opposed to looking at it as I liked it, I didn't like it, you know? Well, unfortunately, I think a lot of it comes down to, I mean, there's two aspects. There's the character design, mm-hmm. which I actually think is huge. Very big. And marketing. I Unfortunately, I think I, marketing is a huge factor in whether or not a game is considered incredible. No, a game is successful. Successful. Well, and you have to be successful to be in this category of, you know, top 100 games and all that. And in in that, that is definitely a popularity contest. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I think I mean that's the, the, another game is uh like Beyond Good and Evil. Mm-hmm. Like never played it. Yeah, it, well, I'm curious for for you to play it actually because um, when it first came out, it felt so innovative. But now I wonder if. It, it, it probably doesn't feel that way at all. It just found, it'll probably feel like a dated platform. It's not really a platformer. I don't know. I'll check it out. It was very unique for for the time when it came out, for sure. It was it's you know it's narrative driven. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm in agreement. So marketing could make a game popular, but it still doesn't make it necessarily a good game and i think that's really kind of what we're talking about and and again there's no possible way for us to judge a game and say it's a good game without infusing our opinion into that so what's a what what do you think is a good example of a game that um didn't have the marketing didn't really go through the the popularity contest but people universally think that it's an incredible game I don't know. So, so mine, I mean, mine is Chrono Trigger. See, I was thinking Chrono Trigger. That's actually the first thing that came to mind. The only problem with that is, is I don't know how much it was advertised when it yeah. first came out. 
and because I wasn't well, I'm playing pretty sure video they games said in that era. Makers of Final Fantasy, you know, um, which is marketing well, in and of itself. Not just that. Then they're crap. I can't remember the dude that does Dragon Ball. Akira Toriyama. Yeah. So you know, I'm sure they advertise. It's it has his art style, and I don't know. I'm I'm sure there's those aspects. And so there's probably some parts of marketing that led to yeah. it being effectively. A lot of games like that, I feel like they they were marketed to very specific people, and then it was up to those specific people to spread the word as right. to whether or not this was a good game. But and it also came out at the end of the life cycle of the system, and mm-hmm. it might be that factor where, well, crap, what do I play now? And so people were like, oh, this cover looks cool. I'll so, try that out. Right, and, and it's associated with like transition to a new age, which yeah. is always is it's good sometimes for games. Whereas other games where they feel like they're not associated with the transition, but they're associated with the old age and not really thinking forward. Um, also, it helps that Chrono Trigger has, has been re-released like three times, in terms of the PlayStation with the extended cinematics and right. and whatnot. And then I think maybe there's a PSP version, and then now the the mobile time or the mobile version. So when I get my my son to play, you know, some of these older games, mm-hmm. you know, I try to get him to play Xenogears, try to get him to play Final Fantasy VII, mm-hmm. and I got him to play Chrono Trigger. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely Chrono Trigger of all those games that, like, like it really took hold, and and he was like, yeah, I, I really want to play this game. And the other ones, he was like, meh, I'll play it. So here's here's probably the reason for that. We have graphics, which consistent throughout, yeah. beautiful graphics. You have gameplay very good gameplay the tech system was very innovative for the time and even now which hasn't really been expounded upon a lot of people look at it and like oh it was a thing it happened and for some reason people don't look to to redo that i feel like that's a the except for uh i am setsuna which kind of did the same thing so Um, describe it for the audience oh the tech system allowed multiple characters if they had if they were ready to do an attack you could use them in tandem to make bigger attacks or to make combo type attacks. So say for instance somebody had a fire spell and then the other person had, I don't know, a spinning blade attack. Then the person if they both came up at the same time or they were both ready to attack at the same time, you clicked on the fire tornado spell and then your guy jumped in the middle, started swirling around, doing his little spinning blade, and she cast fire at the person and suddenly his blade was on fire and he's doing this fire tornado. Innovative. It was very innovative. I mean, not even, like I said, just for the time, but just in general, like thinking to make active combinations for an RPG that's turn-based at that. Like, I don't know how you ca- have how we haven't iterated upon that further. I mean, I mean, realistically, it's... Yeah, that's a good point. Um, realistically, you know, I'd say the number one pillar of everything is, is innovation and coming original. Yeah, well, I mean, the innovation is definitely one of the pillars, but I feel like that maybe could hold up a lot more than... So some people may look at the game, they may not like the graphics, they may like the gameplay, the story, or anything, but they do like, wow, this game is different. This is a breath of fresh air from the rest of the games. So, yeah. Actually, you know what? It's funny. I really do think Breath of the Wild might stand alone as that, is that it did feel like the the graphics were... Yeah, they were done before. The gameplay, oh, we've seen open world before. You know, the story, it's another Zelda story. That's fine. But the innovating in the fact that, you know what? This is a Zelda game. Let's take this a step further. Let's not... I mean, most Mario Zelda games kind of do the same things. But yeah, let's take this a step 
further and let's do something we haven't done before and let's do it in a way that is very Nintendo. I still think it's a Xenoblade game with a Legend of Zelda coat of paint on it. That's fine because I haven't really delved too much into Xenoblade so I'd, I wouldn't be able to make the comparison yet. Oh, and you can climb. And you can climb. Which, again, it's a slight bit of innovation but it lends to... Look, you have a lot of games that have, you I know, mean, painted painted uh, rock faces so you know where you can climb, you know where you can latch onto. And they said, screw it. Climb anywhere. But if you don't have enough stamina, you're going to fall back down. So that's, like I said, I mean, that's that's Xeno, that's Xenoblade. I mean, there's no climbing, but it's I don't feel whole... like you don't like Breath of the Wild. <laughs> I still have only played it. I only played it for like okay. 15 minutes. But um, you've, uh, you've beat Xenoblade. Yeah. Okay. But I've, I've watched my son play the new one, and I mean... It's still, it's. Just, I mean, I, I'm sure I'll play it. I'm sure I'll like it, but it's still just not exciting to me. That's fine. So well, I'm not very far like, in it myself. I've done like a lot a, of the well, you know, got temples the, and stuff. But. I got the 10 out of 10, and then Super Mario Odyssey got the 10 out of 10, and I have been playing that one. I played, I don't know, I played like three or four hours of it, and it's just weird. Like, I, I mean, it just feels like feels like Mario 64 in a way, you know, like Odyssey does. Yeah, for some reason, it feels like Mario 64, but then they added like a tech or a debug mode or tech demo type thing. Not tech demo. I guess it's more debug. Because, I mean, that's what they would do. They would, you know, they would just, okay, well, let's test this, uh, the physics and all that for this. So, do you dinosaur. not like Mario Odyssey, or do you just think that it d- it didn't I just invent don't enough? Think it's like that incredible okay well for breath of the wild i would say play it yourself yeah. for a little bit longer uh get through some of the temples uh maybe oh, I, I know i like it i mean I, yeah. there's, there's never been a zelda game where i didn't like so i just but i'm just not excited for it that that's Odyssey's probably no no super mario galaxy but you know no it's not it's no super mario galaxy <laughs> Galaxy's I'm, awesome. I'm replaying that game right now that's a, that's a good game I mean, it's. I mean, have you so have you played Odyssey? Hmm. It's just it's really close to the old ones where it's kind of the sandbox system, and I don't. I mean, I don't remember Galaxy feeling like that at all. Galaxy was very level oriented. Yeah. But the levels all always they always felt innovative. Like there was always there's always a a gimmick kind of, you know kind of like the painted worlds in sixty four. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of went in there and you knew there was a certain type of thing that was going to happen. Yeah. Like you were going to be chased by this thing. You oh. had to collect these things. You had to run this certain path, this little gauntlet. I mean, but, Odyssey definitely has that too. Okay. So. But the way Galaxy did it is that instead of having this concept of a relatively open world, every scenario had, you knew that you had to get star pieces. You knew that you were, or you wanted to get star pieces. You knew that in certain places you'd have to collect, uh, these like fragments to make the transport star to go to other places to get to secret places. Like there was a lot of it did feel like you didn't, it didn't feel forced to go down a different path to get to the, like the secret stuff. Sometimes you just happened upon it, you know? Um, but also they took the formula of Mario and then they started to make it more or less like a, like a physics based game. And they said, you know what, let's put them on these, these little planets that have their own gravity and these own their own little gravity type systems. And then let's make these creatures that adhere to this gravity as well. And then let's make other things that use, 
you know parts of the Wii controller i you know like the like rolling of the mm-hmm. uh, there was those stages where you rolled as a ball and so right. very frustrating but still kind of fun um and then they had the uh, uh they used the music from uh super mario brothers 3 all the candy stages where you had mm-hmm. to like r- you had to like zip through those as pretty yeah, much yeah, as yeah. quick as possible which again frustrating but for some reason in the mario fashion still super fun like you th- you always felt like you were you never felt like you were doing the same thing over and over again and it always felt like every time that you unlocked a new stage or even like a new the new galaxies or whatever then you you knew that there was going to be a hook and then there was going to be several iterations of how to uh like okay so you got the bee suit in that one in the one world right and you knew that you were going to get to use the bee suit for a lot of things but then suddenly they're like great now you're going to have that's to race the second one right hmm? second one's that's, the bee suit that's in the first oh second world no the second game I think no it was on the first one there's a bee suit in the first one what's the new one for the second for galaxy 2 i think the new thing was just having yoshi around you pretty much did everything same as the first one mm. i could be mistaken i don't i, really I don't, it's I don't been a while since i played yeah. two um, and I'm playing through one right now, so that's fresh in my memory. But it's, it's like okay, so even Super Mario 3D, mm-hmm. like that's that was more interesting to me. Super Mario World, like than Galaxy. Yeah, or no Odyssey. Oh okay. Um, you know, because they kind of took the old formula, they put it in 3D, but then they're like, you know what? Instead of just continuing to make certain things side scrolling, let's give them a little bit of you know verticality, a little bit of depth to everything, and even then, it was just taking their formulas and going. There's so many things we can do here. You know what? Let's let's add the the cat suit back into it, mm-hmm. and like all these Is little things. I don't think there's even any suits. No, there's no suits or anything in Odyssey. It's just oh, it's just hat, the hat thing. Take control of this very limited creature. But you know what? In doing that, that's part of their innovation, because effectively, they gave you control of most creatures or objects in that and then you know that right there this is something some people look at you can do this in games you can actually give access to all of these characters motions and stuff like that without losing control of the main character or you know so it was like it's a it's a thing i i don't know it's like (laughs) it's probably just me also it's very nintendo but for some reason this one feels like one of their more lazy iteration no. i still want to iterations it. um oh my gosh what's the word innovative you know lazy innovation because yeah it's it's something but different it's still innovation nonetheless yeah but i mean you can have i mean that's still possible to have good and bad and in- oh not i guess innovation it's on it would be on a spectrum or a scale here there's no bad innovation but there is innovations that are less I'm sure you can think impactful then. Okay. So you can have, say for instance, somebody makes a sequel to Skyrim, right? But their innovation is that now there is a hunger system. That is a, dude, that sounds dope. Gosh, (laughs) it's a less impactful innovation. You know what I'm saying? Whereas you have, you go from doing, um, actually, Witcher two, to Witcher 3, you have Witcher 2 had a semi open world in that a lot of things were kind of gated off for you. And then you had Witcher 3, which just kind of plopped you in and said, have at it. 
they gave you a story to do with and that was a more impactful innovation for them because at that point that's when they opened up having these um what do you call it the the side quests that actually had an effect on the story Mm -hmm. and that it made a lot more things whereas which are two side quests they kind of did but they were very they felt very low-key so the funny thing is you talked about a hunger system and Mm -hmm. in my head i was like how can you make a meaningful hungry system I'm sure you can make it more impactful and if if you were making a game about annoying, survival yeah. then why wouldn't you put a hunger system in there I mean they had that I can't think of the games what is There's, that Dark, I mean like well, every survival starve. game <laughs> huh don't starve they go. did make a game about it there you go so which was an impactful innovation yeah it's know. a very I, successful indie game as well. I mean, I didn't really play that. My kids were way into it. I own it. I've just never played it. And um, let's take a break. We've been talking for a while. Let's take a break. And then when we come back, we'll talk about the video games we've been playing and the TV shows and maybe movies we've watched. <gasps> and we're back. Wait, who's your sponsor this time? Um, I don't know. Thanks, Wait, EA. Sh- oh. That was great. Mm. All that. those great sports titles that you have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, I like all of your innovations in loot boxes. Those have been great. You definitely have not dropped the ball on any of those. I can see making this a thing. Um, Yeah. On another note, uh, what video games have you been playing lately, sir? Uh, well, I have a million kids, so uh, I don't have much time to play anything, so I'm still playing God of War. Okay. It's still great. Okay. Are you uh, are you getting close to finishing it? I'm almost done, yeah. Nice, nice. And nice. then back to develop game development. Sweet. Um, I am currently playing Bravely Default for the 3DS. And it is one of those games where I didn't realize how much I was going to completely love that game be obsessed borderline (laughs) borderline um i pretty much play it before i go to bed and any other time that i'm not doing something else (laughs) i'm a little obsessed um yeah is that the only game you're playing right now actually right now it really is aside from uh final fantasy 14 the monster hunter crossover that they're doing in there it's pretty good um i played that a couple times it's getting a little frustrating for the extreme version but it's to be expected in final fantasy 14 um but no enough about that bravely default though bravely default i don't know why it's so good i don't know why i like it so much there's this kind of it's kind of hard to explain you played it before Mm -hmm. and and you didn't i take it you didn't really like it as much as i am liking it now I liked it, but not nearly as much as you did. I mean, <laughs> for me, it just had it had that old school charm to it. Very it, much it, so. It reminded me of, you know, reminded me of Final Fantasy Four, Final Fantasy Nine. You know, um, I liked the job systems and everything. The best. It, uh, the characters were were good, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I don't like the fact that I don't really remember the characters. I, I like, I remember their main character tropes mm-hmm. and i don't remember anything else about it um i mostly remember 
I must remember the, the look of the game more than anything. I like the look of the game. Yeah. It actually reminds me a lot of how they did uh, the Final Fantasy Four and and uh, and three remakes, mm-hmm. the 3D ones. And I mean, and I they made it a little bit better. Are those the same people? I don't think it's the same. People. I don't think it's the same people. It could be. I could be mistaken. Um, I'll have to look that up later. Um, but they did. I mean, obviously with Final Fantasy three, they had a lot of classes in that game and. Um, I think they were, if it is the same people, they definitely capitalized on how to change, how to give the, the very unique appearances to each class. Uh, I do feel like I wish that there was like more like actions to each classes and stuff like that. But the game has probably one of the best balancing systems in how they introduce skills, how they introduce the jobs how they um how the monsters aren't like constantly leveling with you how they actually allow you to turn off encounters and turn up encounters if you want to fight more monsters and things like that which is i think innovation um something that you don't i mean mo- there are some games that have it to where like if you use an item you will be less likely to right. fight monsters and it's stuff. not right from the get-go I yeah mean, but right from the get-go you could literally not fight anyone the whole game it would be really hard to fight the bosses, but yeah. Yeah, probably kind of hard. But like, they, there's an option in the menu to turn off all of your the encounters or to turn them up to twice as many as you were having before, um, which I think which, is really cool. Which kind of makes sense because it's it's a uh, you know since it's a handheld game, mm-hmm. you know it, it allows you to you know like oh I only have a little bit of time. Let me rush to this dungeon. Yeah, let me rush quick. to this dungeon, and then when I have more time, I can power level somewhere you know? i can go back and grind yeah yeah and yeah. and yeah yeah but i think that's probably what gets me because i actually i do that a lot sometimes i'll actually be in the middle of a dungeon and be like i really have already power leveled before i'm just gonna i'm gonna mosey on through this real quick everyone. yeah or there's five chests in this floor and yeah. i don't want to go back and forth through this dungeon so i'm just going to turn off the encounters get all the chests and then i'll find a point and then just walk the rest of the way with encounters yeah and it it, it, it definitely works um but I could not sing the praises for this game enough. And I haven't finished it. I'm thinking I'm about halfway through. I spent way too many hours just to be halfway through, though. Um, the grind of it is nice. Um, let's see. What TV shows have you been watching lately? All right. So I just finished The Punisher. And this is, I guess, this is, we've both watched The Punisher. So okay. just so you know, there's some spoiler stuff here. Because we're just mm-hmm. going to dive in and talk about it. Spoiler time. God damn. <laughs> okay, Frank that's Frank Castle to start. gets his ass whooped. whooped. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, but he also does some ass whooping. Yeah, he does some ass whooping, and he might be one of the biggest badasses I've seen on a TV show or movie. Like, just because you don't. You don't really see the main character getting their ass whooped so... He heals pretty damn quick, too. Right. But, um, man, just I, I think that makes a character so much better. You know, you see him getting shot and stuff like that. Like, you know, as opposed to just like, you know, the, the, the prequel Star Wars movies where they're basically invincible. Right. So... There was one thing that I really liked about the Punisher series is, like you were saying, about how real it is, but also that it was a character that doesn't necessarily have invincibility, right? 
and that doesn't necessarily have superpowers. It's just somebody that's really good at what they do. And on top of that, he has like the, the, the perseverance to just be, he wants to be, he needs, he's got places to go. So he's going to get there no matter what. And every other character so far, uh, kind of not Jessica Jones, um, and really not Luke Cage. Okay, so not every character. Anyways, <laughs> he doesn't have like a whole bunch of like karate training, so you're not expecting these crazy choreographed mm-hmm. like karate scenes. It's but it's more like old school Rocky. Yeah, he he just he's fist fist fighting. He's yeah. he's before pretty much, Rocky learns how to like block. Yeah, he, he's a, he's a brawler. He's a brawler that knows how to use guns, but he's also trained by the military, so he knows like techniques on how to fight, but a lot of his stuff devolves into like this street fighting stuff. And it, I don't know, it's, it's so, it's so visceral. And also they pretty much used as much of their, their rating system as they possibly could to push the amount of violence that they could put in this series. Well, to, I don't know. I don't mean, I don't know if Netflix really has a rating system. Well, I, well, I say that because I'm pretty sure you can get to a point where somebody go, whoa, 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 calm down, calm yeah. down, calm down. We don't need to show that. Yeah. But I feel like the like towards the end, especially when they were doing like the torturing, there was like they pushed as far as they possibly could to like. There, to, there was one scene though that, and so when he was tied to the chair and everything, mm-hmm. and they undid him, I'm like, you motherfuckers didn't check under the chair. For for a bomb or anything? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that bugged me. I mean, I mean, they easily could have just done away with that. And he has his one hand, and he's he's a badass. Right. So so I mean, he could just he could have just grabbed him and uh, he could have whipped his ass there. It's it wasn't. I mean, he didn't need to be stabbed. It's not like he died there or anything. Yeah. So he could have done something where he just you know grabbed him and his head into the desk or whatever, and it would have been fine. And it wouldn't have had that moment where you're like, oh, jeez, well, how'd that get there? But yeah. I mean, I mean, other than that, like everything else in that show was was, and, and like when, uh, whatever, Mad- <laughs> Madoni, Mad- Madonna, I don't remember her name is, um, when her partner gets killed by the main villain, okay, and then the end of that scene, he's like. She's in the bathtub and she's like devastated, and then it ends up being her, him that's like comforting her. Mm-hmm. I remember finishing that episode before I went to bed and be like, "Oh my fucking lord, that's crazy. That's just crazy." And uh, but but then as far as villain goes, like I I thought that was one of the better villains I've seen in a show in a long time. And, and you know, like, and it, I guess, it, I guess it is kind of the stereotypical thing. Cause they, they, they do that in TV, in TV shows. They're like, let's make this person super charming, super likable, but mm-hmm. I don't know how much I hundred percent trust them. And then all of a sudden, you know, like some people are caught off guard and some people are like, Oh, I knew it the whole time. Yeah. Cause he but, was too uh, charming. There's no way someone is that charming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Ashley, there's no one. There's no way she's a good person. <laughs> she's too one of these days, nice. you guys will meet her. But she, don't don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. <laughs> she's planning your downfall the moment she meets you, and the moment <laughs> she says hi with that bright smile on her face, talking about, oh my gosh, everything's rosy and the sky is blue. She she's she's plotting your demise. See, see ironically, I've 
I've actually met plenty of people like that, and that really does happen. And they're like, they are legit crazy. But we are just joking. Ashley's not crazy, as far as I know. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah. um, let's see. What else about that show? Um, I don't know, like, how honorable. It, there's something about. There's something about a character that stays so true to their convictions, like honorable convictions, that really makes you root for him, even though he's he's murdering all a these dick. people. He's yeah, he's kind of a dick, mm-hmm. but but somehow he's still this like incredible person. Like the fact that he's legit willing to put his life on the line for somebody important in his life. Mm-hmm makes a good character he's a good character i really know how i like the series too um i feel like you have uh, a tighter grip on the series i marathon the series when it first came (laughs) out so i don't have the specific references that you do but i do i think i did like it because of that it was very visceral it was very real and it was very uh i feel like there were certain things that were cut and dry but they left the things that were ambiguous that needed to be ambiguous, the gray areas that needed to be gray. They didn't try to fill them in and try to make it to where it seemed like he's making a good decision. They just said making, you know, they wanted to make it seem he's making a decision. You know, mm. there was no, uh, yeah, okay. It, it, it felt, it, it definitely didn't feel like they were trying to tell you what to think about. There's not the like series. a right or wrong. Type no, thing. That, I feel like that whole series was not, it, it left the right or wrong thing on the back burner yeah. and it said, you know what? These are the things that are happening. These are a means to an end. And these these villains are trying to get this. These hero this hero is trying to get this. And I mean, even in the comic books, he's considered an anti hero because of the fact that he kills people. Um Well, I'm pretty sure he killed like everyone in the Marvel universe in some like what some is offshoot. Yeah. Yeah. So did Deadpool and I think Wolverine might have done it once too, but yeah. <laughs> everyone gets their chance. Everybody gets their chance to just kill everybody they don't like, especially in comic books. Yep. <laughs> Um, well, oh shoot. Well, what I've been watching is a crap ton of anime. Bleh. Why don't you like anime? No, I'm just kidding. Why don't you like anime? Please <laughs> tell the audience why you don't like anime. I, I don't dislike anime at all. I just, uh, for whatever reason, whenever... Because <laughs> you watch so much more anime than me. So, and it, I feel like it takes away from you watching stuff that I enjoy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for us to talk about. And so, since I don't watch as much anime, it's just... We I, occupy I, different spaces, sir. I, w- I will listen. Go okay. ahead. Well, I will listen now. So, the first anime that I'm watching a lot of is actually an anime called One Piece, who's currently on their 830-something episode, and I'm only on 701 right now, I think. Or no, I think I'm only on 700. Um which I'm very proud of because I started the series about uh, six months ago, I think. And I'm trying to catch up. That series is so intriguing. It's so funny. It's well animated. Um, I like the powers, the tropes. The, it's, just, it's just so good. I like the, I like the lore of, of this world where pretty much the everything is just oceans and then there's these islands. And like there's these fruit that you eat called devil fruit that give you these powers and it's cool to see like how they innovate certain powers like say for instance the main character 
ate what's called a gum gum fruit, which makes him a rubber person, right? And in doing so, he can stretch his arms, he can stretch his legs, blah, 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 right? But he does this thing now, like as you get further into the series, which I guess is kind of a spoiler, so beware. Um, he does this thing where... I think we're already in the spoiler, spoiler section. Uh, yeah, I think so too. Um, where he, he does this thing where he forces his legs or to be used as pumps to pump blood faster through his body. So effectively, because he's rubber, he turns his, his legs into like like pumps for his blood to... Isn't that to, the, that's the main character, right? Yeah. And then so it, like his body starts steaming because blood's moving faster th- through his body, but it allows him to move faster as well because um, your blood pumps your body to metabolize oxygen and to use it. Does he ever change his power? No, no. He's always has the same power. Um, well, so once, you have the, once you taste that fruit, you can only have one devil you fruit never power go back. at a time. Yeah, well, at a time, but you can switch it up. No, 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 no. You're with that power for the rest of your life. Oh, okay, okay. Um, also, there's a caveat to eating a devil fruit. So, you, yeah, you can use the devil fruit and innovate and make different ways of you. Because somebody has, um, there'll be somebody with, um, shoot, with the spring spring fruit, where effectively they can turn any part of their body into a spring. So, effectively, he, like, turns his legs into Doing. spring. Exactly. Boyoyoing. Uh, he turns his legs in the springs and then like he uses them to like propel himself really fast around places and then for of course you get innovative with it you can turn your arm into a spring and you can actually like wind up for a harder punch and stuff like that right um anyways so one of the caveats to eating a devil fruit and there's so many different powers um is that you can't go in the ocean anymore this whole series about is about a world that like is all about oceans so once you eat a devil fruit if you go in the water you lose all will to live effectively and then you just sink so people can save you obviously but has it happened oh yes there's many people that's their biggest weakness so a lot no, of no, people, no 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 ha- so has anybody died from that yeah it's, no has somebody ever gone in the wa- water lost your will mm-hmm. and then been saved and brought back yeah once they're saved and brought out of the water then it takes a little bit of time to recover but then they're oh then they're it's like, kind of no, like it's all good it's almost it's like good, bro oh my goodness oh my goodness i can't believe i survived that because it's not like they don't... Do they lose their power and they have to get a new devil fruit? Mm-mm, mm-mm. They just come out of the water like, oh my gosh, I can't swim. They knew they can't swim. It's, so pretty much, effectively, what it's trying to show is that even if you do get these powers, and these powers are typically gotten by pirates who are on the ocean, that makes them to where they're strong, but they're really just strong while they're on their ship or while they're on land. So it's kind of like they're... It's like a give and take. They made a big enough caveat for having these powers in that it could actually impede you becoming a pirate. But if you use the powers in the right way, you can become a really good pirate. So only pirates can have this fruit? No, there's people who aren't pirates that have it. But typically to find because they're fruit like are businessmen, ra- hmm? like businessmen, I guess. I don't know. Um, but the, the fruit are hard to find. They're rare. They're far and few in between. So the fact that you would have it would typically oh, okay. mean that you search for it. Right. So which most are pirates. pirates. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So it kind of, it kind of makes sense in that way. Anyways. So I've been watching that series. I really, really like it. Um, and it's a really good series, <laughs> but I've also, I like how you say it. We're like, I really, really liked it. Oh my goodness. Anyways. Um, I've also been watching another series called Hunter X Hunter or Hunter Hunter for some that don't like to say the X for some reason. Um, and that's also a really good series, but I've already completed that series a long time ago, and I'm rewatching it with some friends. Um, so what's, what's the premise of that one? 
Um, the premise from this one is that there is an organization, a uh, hunter's organization. So effectively, you have to pass a test, several tests. They're like endurance tests, combat tests, and things like that to become a hunter. You pretty much, when you get a hunter's pass, you have like free reign to the world, effectively. They have like unlimited like credit line. They effectively like are uh, like bounty hunters, but they can be bounty hunters for everything. There's there's a hunter for somebody that literally just fulfills what we consider to be bounty hunting, and that is just bringing people in, dead or alive, that kind of stuff. Or you have other people who are like gourmet hunters, so they're just constantly out there. They're searching for like these like these rare this rare game so they can cook it up into something and make these extravagant dishes and stuff like that it's very anime um obviously because it is an anime but um so then you can do all this kind of stuff but the premise for this story is that there's one character who's looking for or who wants to become a hunter because he knows that his dad who he's never met became a hunter and he wants to become a great hunter so he can finally find and meet his dad because the hunters as a hunter with a license you have the resources to to do those things right um and yeah it's just kind of his journey to learning those things they introduce a system that's called nen which is effectively like chi but then they have it's a very 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 complicated and somewhat convoluted system of like determining what type of nen you can use you can be like a projectile user you can be an aura user an enhancer something like there's all like there's like there's there's a there's a freaking chart for this anime right <laughs> there's several charts embedded within each other saying that like if you're this part of the of the circle then you can you have a, a possibility so you have to the mail in other for like a decoder ring hmm? you have to mail in for a decoder ring effectively oh, okay. um or just watch a lot of youtube videos um okay. <laughs> but like it's just saying like if you're if you're an enhancer then you ha- also have somewhat of an ability to use auras and other things these are probably the wrong associations so don't take take my word for it but then you have a less possibility of being able to be these other things so most people don't specialize in any or on a lot they just specialize in one right because you have a natural ability to do so anyways that's all going to it i guess what i really wanted to talk about is do you think that there's merit to re-watching series and do you often do it because yes. I feel like I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting a lot more out of the series, as I've been older and I'm watching it now, and then I'm watching with other people. But I am rewatching series, which is something I rarely do. Yes. Do you rewatch a lot of series? Yes. Why are your answers so short? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, you usually have stuff to say. But. Uh, it depends on what it is. Um, I mean, there's there's been like I've watched Lost like a billion times, not a billion. It was kind of like, anytime I was in a new relationship, I'm like, you Did gotta you feel watch. lost? Yeah. I mean, sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> there was, I don't know. It's just stuff I like. Well, I mean, my, my co-host, <laughs> Will, he always thinks, uh, you, you know, he's, he's already, he's already feel, felt the, the. I don't know the wrath. It's not the wrath. I don't know what it would be, but I'm always like a pusher of stuff I love, mm-hmm. and so as we all should be. Yeah, so I'm always like trying to get Will the the watch Lost, and he watched like five episodes and he gave up. And no, no, Netflix gave up. They took it off of Netflix, and I'd have to search for it elsewhere. And I I got it on DVD, Blu-ray a little bit, you know. 
who watches those? I mean, that you actually is a really bastard. great point. <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm not like so. My old roommate, he's played like I swear he's played like twelve games, and that's all he plays. He's like, I'm cool with this. And then like, uh, so my other buddy shares his Netflix account, mm-hmm. and and he's always watching like four shows he's watching he's watching the office he's mm-hmm. watching parks and rec mm-hmm. probably he's friends. watching friends of course wow that's crazy but he's probably seen these shows a billion times but he still goes back and it's crazy to me i can't do that okay. i mean aside like, from lost that that might be the only series you really rewatch the only ser- the only time i rewatch stuff is that when i'm all caught up on everything i'm doing and then you're I'm like, like filling the time I'm until like, the next one comes out. Not really filling time. I mean, I want to. I like. There's things I want to go back to. Like, um, I mean, I I played Xenogears like six times. I played Kingdom Hearts like, wow, yeah. I don't know, like four times. I mean, I typically typically the stuff I love, I'll play more than once. Um, I just don't get that luxury anymore because you know because you kids, have a million kids. As you kids. stated earlier, yeah, in the yeah. How does it feel to have a million kids? It depends on the day. Um, if you ask me today, <laughs> that's the only. <laughs> <laughs> also, if you, you ask me today, kids, it feels okay. I feel sore Tra- trying to chase. I, I my my baby's almost two years old and he doesn't stop moving ever. And we're at a wedding, and and I'm exhausted. My body is so sore from trying to keep up with him. So that's what it's like. For those of you out there who were thinking about having kids before you were ready to have them, don't this is get birth control. Don't get outnumbered. Only two have no more than two. <laughs> Unless, of course, you grew up in a large family and you're used to all these kids around, and maybe you want to have those kids anyways. No, don't do it. That's ridiculous. You're saying just don't do it in general. No, no, no. I, I strongly encourage people to have kids because it's incredible. But well, but don't have more than two. Yeah. Okay, pretty much. Oh man, jeez, we've been gone for probably maybe two and a half hours now. For real? Probably. It's been a while. Are you trying to say that you don't have anything else to talk about? I really don't. I mean, I could talk forever, but yeah, we we know that. <laughs> do it, do it now. Just talk, talk, talk about Transformers. Ooh, actually, you know what? Let's just make I that. did a whole podcast did, for Transformers. I did a whole podcast for Transformers, <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Everything from <laughs> Generation One to to the the, the, the the to the music to Beast Wars to to the disgrace that is Beast Machines to the resurgence that is Armada. I mean, don't and then the uh, then the re disgrace that is the the Michael. Michael Bay films. So, so yeah, crazy. let's not talk about that. That'll be a whole podcast in and of itself. And uh, <laughs> right, have well, a nice day. I'll, I'll stick to that one. So. <laughs> nah. All right. Yeah. That's that's it. That's our podcast. Thank you again to EA Games for being a really shitty company. Because I'm not going to get Dead Space anymore. What else am I not going to get? What else do they destroy? Everything. No, they got they got rid of visceral. Oh yeah, that Star Wars game I wanted to play mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with Amy Head Head Hedwig. 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 I don't know. Okay. I think I just made her a Harry Potter character. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> what else? What else? What? I don't know. I don't follow them enough to know what I'm missing out on. Oh okay. Well, there's one. I'm mad. Or 
we are going to get Anthem out of them, so let's hope that's good. Yeah, I don't care about Anthem. Oh, Mass Effect. They ruined Mass Effect. Okay. I feel like you're going to have a whole podcast about just Mass Effect, and I look forward I'll to that. I'll have it, the, the indoctrination theory. You know, that would be kind of cool if you could explain that, and maybe we'll, maybe we'll actually... Uh, no, 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 no. Just go look it up. Like, this is the end of our podcast. We have no time for this. Come on now. No, We've no, been no. no. Like I'm talking about hours. explaining it right now. I'm talking about explaining another one. Explaining another theory? Podcast? Podcast? Yeah. You want me to take the whole podcast explaining this theory? Mm-hmm. When they can just look it up on YouTube? Mm-hmm. Which has visuals? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm probably not going to do that. We out. Peace. <laughs>